If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage in a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. Hi, I'm Megan Segura. And I'm Eric J. Mack. And this is The Daily Dish, Bravo's official podcast. Hey, everybody. Your TV Watch Repeat co-host Kate Ward here with a brief programming note. During this episode's recording with the Daily Dish's lovely Eric and Megan, my microphone noped out. It noped out hard. What can I say? Technology is fighting back. The Terminator is happening. But before then, please excuse the sound issues and enjoy our conversation with Eric and Megan about the real housewives of Beverly Hills. It's a fun one. It may look like I have it all, but I want more. In Beverly Hills, it's who you know, and I know everyone. Money is what I have, not who I am. I was a child star, but now my most important role is being a mother. In a town full of phonies, I'm not afraid to be me. It's time for me to come out of my husband's shadow and shine. I can't believe it's been 11 years. 11 years. So, I mean, time has flown. People have shown, shined. Shin. I like the rhyme you were going for, though. I, I thank you. That's that what I was going nice for. Um, okay, before we get in, let's just like get right into it because we have a lot to discuss today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TV Watch Repeat, a, a podcast brought to you by The Dip. We are two TV lovers who are set to revisit some of the most iconic, memorable, and rich, honey, TV pilots of all time. I'm Allison, and I'm joined by The Dip co-founder and CEO, Kate. Hello. And today we are talking about the 2010 pilot of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Uh, it's currently streaming on Hulu. It's on Peacock, probably. I didn't watch it there, though. I watched it finally on Hulu. 
Um, and before we dive in and introduce our guests, we do want to shout out some sources that we will reference throughout the episode. Yeah, surprisingly very little about the the uh, beginning of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So I primarily had a uh, sources with the Los Angeles Times and the New York Times, two pieces that were uh, published around 2010. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the conversation today is surrounding just the series as a whole and characters that we grew to know and love and everything. So um, there's a little bit of a history in there, but, um, but not as much as usual. We have two very special guests joining us today, two people that are complete Bravo experts because of where they work. We'll get into that. Today, we are joined by the hosts of Bravo's Daily Dish podcast, Megan Segura and Eric J. Mack. Hello, you guys. Thank you. Thank Hi. you. We're so excited to have you. Now, I mean, you guys are, if there was like the peak Bravo insiders, it probably is you guys, especially in the podcast space. You guys know everything, but fill our listeners in a little bit on the Daily Dish podcast and just your experience with Bravo in general. So I think one thing that sets us apart is we actually work for Bravo. So we are, you know, walking the halls of 30 Rock usually before lockdown, <laughs> you know, seeing Lisa Vanderpump walk down the hall, seeing, you know, Tom Colicchio. So I think that what we love to do is bring not only our Bravo expertise, but we're actually, we're real fans of the show. Like working at Bravo has not dulled that for us. It's enhanced it, I think. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, seeing behind the scenes how things work and being able to talk to the producers, being able to engage with the talent. I mean, we have so many opportunities to really understand how it all works in a big picture kind of way. But I think it only makes us bigger fans of the whole thing, like being able to see how it works from start to finish. Um, I think that's just a really great angle that we get to, to kind of see. And you guys, as you mentioned, are dealing with the crew. You're t talking to the casts of a lot of shows. You just had Jennifer from New Jersey on, I saw. Uh, so that's kind of a, even a better element is that you're getting these interviews with the cast members and talking to them kind of in real time as the shows air about their seasons. So obviously all of our listeners, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already subscribe to the Daily Dish podcast, but if not, you're going to want to go do that because it is it has everything you want. Um, I don't even know how to describe the Beverly Hills pilot because it is like, it's iconic. It really sets up, we've done OC on this podcast and obviously Beverly Hills was not even, it wasn't the first, it wasn't the second. It's not, it wasn't one of the early, early seasons. It, it came a little bit later on the um I guess the chart of, of, of Bravo or housewives development, but it is, it sets the tone for what I think all housewives want to be <laughs> moving forward. So um, we're going to talk about the real housewives of Beverly Hills pilot, and it is going to be so good. Um, I guess we should start from the very, very beginning. Did you guys watch this when it first aired in 2010? Yeah. So this was one I had watched all the franchises. And so, it, you know, it's kicked off with OC. Then we had New York, then we had Jersey and then Bev Hills. And I, I was watching all of them. I remember being so excited for Beverly Hills. And it's funny because I remember watching the, the trailer for it and thinking, oh, I'm so in because these women have the most crazy plastic surgery I've ever yeah. seen. But what's, what is 
insane to me is now I look at them and I'm like, what was I talking about? They look so normal. It is so mind blowing how like perspective on beauty standards has changed, you know, not just with, with our real housewives. It's, it's, permeated all of reality tv but it is so interesting to me that i look at taylor armstrong's lips and i'm just like just beautiful full lips but i remember at the time thinking oh my god yeah wow you know i mean the first thing i wrote in my notes is that the biggest standout is the faces yeah and in and yes you're right at the time i was like oh my god the the plastic surgery here but then they, their faces have changed so much too over the years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they all look so different. I mean, and I also just want to shout out, speaking of the plastic surgery, the Taylor with Paul, when he's like injecting the, the thing. Yeah, that was terrifying. The bubble. <laughs> what was that? It looked like Frankenstein-y. What, I know. What was it? And then Adrian just is casually like, that's the second normal. time he's done it's it. normal. Yeah, but it's also, it's normal. And it's like, that's not normal. That does, that should not look that way. Oh, when she was like, it looks so pretty and then the camera I mean that's the beginning of the the producer shade where they were like she's like it looks great and then her face is like welted (laughs) Taylor had wanted to get some filler done on the side of her temples so she went to my husband I thought that that procedure probably didn't need to be done on Taylor is that supposed to happen what that That's, that's, that's why they came. I know the surprise on my face was like uh, that of, of terror. That's funny. <laughs> it's starting to sweat. It's funny. All right. I was a little shocked. And that was only the second time he had done that. Beautiful women are a dime a dozen around here, especially 20-year-old beautiful women. And my husband is masculine. There's no blurring that issue. Oh my goodness, help me. Like, oh lord, he's gonna leave me for a 20 year old. (gasps) Very pretty. You see her look at the camera for one second too. Like she's like, is this supposed to be happening? I don't know, should we be filming this? Is she having a reaction? Like you see her starting to panic a little bit because it's her husband's business. So she's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Eric, how about you? Did you watch this when it came out in 2010? So I am a later in life Bravo fan. So I came into all of the franchises Bravo a little bit later, really only a couple of years ago, once I started working at the company. Um, I originally came into NBC working at Oxygen, but became very close with Megan and a bunch of people who worked at Bravo. Our teams worked very closely together. So slowly but surely, I got into Bravo. It was like, Atlanta and then New York and then Beverly Hills, like a lot of stepping stones to get into it. So I very quickly fell down the rabbit hole and now I'm just obsessed with pretty much everything we have on air. So (laughs) here I am. (laughs) Well, we should start from the beginning then, Kate. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Beverly Hills has such an interesting starting point, I think, because it really was the first one that I feel truly went behind the gates. They like to talk about behind the gates. The whole series started as behind the gates, transformed into the Real Housewives of Orange County. And then, you know, became this like, you know, bonafide franchise showcasing the lifestyles of the rich and famous, but like not the richest and not the most famous yet until this point. And, you know, we did in like Jersey, New York, Atlanta, and even DC. And then finally went to 902 and out, of course, 
the most expensive zip code. Although they don't really all live <laughs> in Beverly Hills, but um, true. <laughs> but that's that's getting very technical. <laughs> but still, um, and though we had seen you know like wealthy people before, like this is definitely stepping it up a notch. And Andy Cohen had said. Um, that, you know, this is about women that live in the most famous zip code in the world. They're wealthy beyond anything we've ever seen before. And they're pretty much all moms. Most of them are successful businesswomen and they're all friends. And like, as Lisa Rinna would say, you know, honey, they were rich. So if you glance at the net worth of all of the housewives, with the exception of Carol Radiswell, the top five richest housewives are all from the Beverly Hills franchise. Lisa tops the list. And then not far behind that is, you know, Kyle and Adrian. And that's exactly what they wanted. Andy had said, I wanted Beverly Hills to pass what I call the Jackie Collins test. We wanted the city and the housewives to be aspirational. We wanted other women to look at them and say, I want that. So then they had to find, of course, the cast that they could reflect that with. And though it's not really clear, because it's really interesting, actually, you know, Brian Moylan is, is releasing a book um, about the housewives um, that's coming out in a few months. And I've gotten a sneak peek to it and I won't give away anything, but he talks a lot about the, um, the casting process and, you know, how it actually goes down. And, you know, it is clear that there pretty much is kind of a central point that people go to, they go to one person and it sort of fans out from that and from there. So, you know, it's not really clear, you know, who was the first to jump on board based on some of my research. I don't know if you guys have different information, but it seems to me that Kyle is the one who has the most connections to the other cast members. And she was a good target for the series, obviously being related to Paris Hilton and having, you know, a history on screen and everything. But um, she had really famous friends, you know, Camille Grammer and Lisa Vanderpump were both clients of Mauricio's. And Lisa had just been in the US for about five years when she joined. And I think part of her aspiration of getting on this show was to be able to showcase, you know, the businesses that she have had and, and get them out into the world and get them publicized, um, which is why when she was speaking back then, you know, she would say it's a lot more to us than just being housewives. And obviously we saw that not only with this, but with, you know, Vanderpump in the future. But I thought it was interesting that they started with Lisa in, in, in the very first pilot. She was the first Beverly Hills pilot, that, um, uh, housewife that we met. And what I, where I would have expected it to be either Camille or Kyle. I love living here. I mean, it really is like a fantasy land. I just love this house and it's so romantic and it's kind of designed like a, a French chateau. Yeah, that's true. We don't get Kyle really until after you get Kim. I mean, you see Kyle talking to Kim, but you don't really go one on one with her at home until like kind of in act two or three of the episode. Yeah. I do wonder if part of it is because I always thought, you know, that Kyle was the not as rich one of the housewives just from my limited just as a fan scope in the beginning because Kyle's you know she doesn't live in this like opulent mansion she has a nice home but it wasn't like a Lisa Vanderpump house or a Camille house but you know now re-watching it and having more understanding of everything you know her husband was selling 200 million dollar homes for years she was doing pretty good but so I wonder if like not starting with her was a little bit because she doesn't live this over the top lavish life right right yeah yeah I, I had the same uh instinct Megan because I I mean I love all of her daughters don't get me wrong and 
trust me, like to see them, see little baby Portia was adorable <laughs> because like, I mean, we now know, we now know them all. And the curls were so, so cute. But like, I think that they probably wanted to introduce us to somebody who was about to show this estate that she she was going to show with her you know menagerie of animals versus Kyle who was in the kitchen trying to make dinner while her daughters were like bugging her about whatever it may be and there's certainly like a difference and trust me like Kyle brings it when it comes to like luxury and class and you know I mean never forget the the woman bought a Rolex on you know a a tropical vacation yeah Um, but yeah, I think Vanderpump, it made sense to start with her. And it's interesting you say Kyle Kate as like the nucleus, because for me, I don't know why, but Adrian has always just stood out to me as like the kind of like core of Beverly Hills. And I love Adrian. Um, and I, I miss Adrian a lot. And when all of them were at that party last season of Beverly Hills, when like everyone showed up, including Brandy, I... Uh, I love, I mean, I loved it. I loved every moment of it, but yeah, for me, Adrian seems, and maybe it's just because she kicks off the first episode with a trip and like this trip to Sacramento is like, honestly, just as good as some of the trips we've been getting during like the COVID seasons. Like yeah. I won't get into the Oklahoma trip of, of uh, Dallas. <laughs> I don't ever want to talk about that again. <laughs> Eric was very angry, <laughs> but this was, I think honestly more luxurious and like, I mean, it definitely was. Adrian really went all out for this trip between the jet and the limo. And then as soon as we landed, we were whisked off to a beautiful restaurant. But uh, I mean, I think that that's why I always, and also just like her proximity to be being able to like walk to Vanderpump's house, having like Taylor as her, like she's the godmother of, of her daughter. And I, I don't know why she just always read to me as kind of like the mother of the show. Of, well, of Allison, Beverly Hills. she's actually the one that was not sought out. So she spoke to, uh, she had an interview with Josh Flagg from A Fourth Million Dollar Listing. And she said that Paul's PR person came to her and said, hey, they're casting for this show. You should be a part of it. And so she said, I was very, very hesitant. But Paul was like, come on, it will be fun. Something you've never done before. Of course, he was doing it also for himself. Being a plastic surgeon, he's promoting himself. And honestly, I thought the same thing. I'm a businesswoman, so I see the platform. And so she actually was not even on the radar, it seems like, until Paul pushed her in that direction, which I say, always be wary of a house husband that pushes the wife into well, the show. I mean, right. true. <laughs> guys, the foreshadowing this episode where, I mean, let, we'll just say it, like Kelsey leaves for a year to go to La Cage Fall and also falls in love with the flight attendant. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but also when, when Camille says, when they take that private jet and she's like, this is going to sound so cringy, but I, Kelsey and I always fly private, but we've been taking commercial more lately because we're trying to be green. God, this is going to sound so obnoxious. But Kelsey and I have been flying private for years until recently. Now we're taking more commercial. So, you know, we're, we try to be green. And meanwhile, here I am sitting like 10, 11 years later being like, uh, I don't know if you wanted to be taking that commercial flight anymore because, uh, that, you know, what happened in December, 2009, which I had to look up, but, uh, yeah. So that I kind of like cringed at a little bit. What are your perspectives on Camille and how is, how has your perspective changed over the years? Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. 
I truly believe you can't recreate magic and Camille in this first season was magic. Yeah. And I know that she looks back on this time as just so cringy and like hates it and was put on the cover of a magazine of America's most hated housewife. But the truth is, I do feel like that was a very authentic side of Camille. The cast of Frasier came to me and they said, please get him to wear underwear. We're sick of not wearing any. I've been called a trophy wife and I'm a lot more than that. I'm the powerhouse behind Kelsey Grammer. I've kept him alive. I've saved his life and I'm still here working with him. And I feel like since that, she tried to pivot herself to be more likable. Then I think she tried to bring back the old sort of sassy Camille but you can't recreate yeah you know real authentic drama so I really I uh I I savor every morsel of this first season and I'm so glad we're talking about it because I rewatch it over and over and over because it truly is to me a perfect season of Real Housewives and I think that anything that's come after is really trying to recapture that magic, that lightning in a bottle. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. And this is a season, an episode that I always direct my friends who don't watch Bravo to start here, like rather than even going back to OC or or some of the other shows that that came first, because I think it's a really great way to get people into exactly what Housewives is all about, the aspirational, but the flip side is you do start to see these cracks in these people's lives and the, the layers that they have and the complexities within them, like Taylor talking about being from Oklahoma and her relationship being 80% business and 20% romance. You know, there's some real stuff there. I would say our marriage is about 80% business and 20% romance. And I think we see that with Adrian and Paul and the way that their relationship is kind of weird and, and they don't seem to get along super well. Yeah. Oh, what's up with that, Paul? She's a Democrat. Who who cares? I'm a Republican. Listen, the first African-American president, that is history. Our children will be reading this. And he doesn't go. If I was doing my thing, yes, yes. you never went in with me on anything. Listen, I may have not agreed with the last president in his policy. Oh, same thing here. Let me finish. But guess what? I respect him as... The leader of our country. Of course. I'm sure he's very So as the leader of our country, it would have been nice if he went. But going back to your question about Camille, I definitely, when I first saw this season, was very cringy Mm. watching Camille. I was just like, oh my God, who is she? And then by the time you look at her full journey on the show, like now I'm team Camille. Like Mm -hmm. I love her and I appreciate her and I respect what she brought to the first season in a lot of ways. And, you know, maybe there's something to be said about the editing and she didn't get the best cuts and maybe being on, you know, a show for the first time, she didn't really know how to handle herself with cameras there and present the authentic Camille. Maybe we did get a version of her that was good for this season. Uh, But now, I mean, whenever she pops back up, I'm just so grateful for her presence on the show. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I mean, even looking back at this pilot, it feels like it's very edited in a 2010 way in the sense where when she talks about, you know, uh, having a surrogate for her children, of course, the immediate assumption there is that she's doing it to preserve her figure and not because, you know, she had any sort of other health problems. And she said that she had like an IBS issue that made it so she couldn't give birth or whatever. I had a surrogate, surrogate carry my two children. 
So that makes it a lot easier. I know some of my friends would give their right arm to be able to carry a baby, so. It's such a positive experience if you can't. The great perk is you get to keep that great figure. That seems to work out nicely. But um, but it's just surprising the way that they, the editing is definitely vilifying her from the first episode when you can also kind of re-edit it in your head in a little bit of just like, oh, she's having a great time. She's getting up, she's dancing. You know, she's like enjoying her, like a little bit of her, her moment in the sun beyond Kelsey. And I agree in seeing her whole journey. I don't know. I, I rewatched this for the pilot and I was, I was very team Camille, even in the pilot, even when we were supposed yeah. to vilify her. The surrogacy thing was interesting to rewatch now because yes. obviously we it, it, that issue had it's everywhere. Like not even just in our personal lives with friends and family, but it's all over reality TV. The Kardashians are very open about their journey with surrogates. So it's like now hearing her say that I I hear it through a different lens. Where the first time I heard it, I was like that's disgusting. Like that you're going to say that you use a surrogate, like assuming she meant so she could preserve her body. But like mm-hmm. now knowing how many women deal with infertility and deal with pregnancy struggles, it's like, I wouldn't have heard it the same way, you yeah. know? Well, it's interesting to think of too, with what we learn later on about Adrian, you right. know, and, and just looking at the big scope of, of that storyline. I mean, what a storyline that was. I honestly totally forgot about it until you just brought oh. it up. Um, Yeah, Camille for me, I mean, iconic that she is introduced dancing and is, you know, like I'm a dancer because all I, the only thing I can think about is Camille dancing at a club, which I didn't even realize was this season until I saw that the trailer for the rest of the season. Um, And you're totally right, Eric, like this is the season to, to like point people to because of the the complexity of not I mean you have the wealth and I've always I mean I think we can all agree like Beverly Hills is the wealth they are just simply it is a completely different league compared to the other ones and that's not to say they all they all bring their own je ne sais quoi as the countess would say but um I think that like you're here for the wealth but they also the cracks in their their familial relationships are like shocking shocking the Kim Kyle, it's from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, that relationship is crumbling in moments into the season, which is something I didn't really register. And even though I'm younger than Kim, I feel a sense of responsibility for her. Her divorce set her back financially for sure, and I worry about her. So then I started thinking, I'm like, when does the like you stole my goddamn house? Is that season finale. one? Season one yeah. finale. finale. Like they, it is like by the end of this season, the journey we've gone on is shock. It's, it's truly shocking to see. And then, I mean, knowing where these relationships that we watch, we see Camille's marriage completely crumble. Um, and I agree. I think that also like to your point about like them vilifying her in this season one, I just, she was probably at like a horrible part in her like time in her life. And she said that now that how do you not like go over the top with other things that make you feel like you're not losing something that is so important to you. But yeah, I mean, and I mean, down to like, like the, the, the absolute like tragedy that happened with like Taylor, like her husband killing himself. I mean, there's so much, and this is just like right out, right out of the gate. And then on top of all of that, and not at all to compare, but then I remembered the drama of Cedric. 
Cedric was living in London when we moved to L.A. We tried to get away from him, but he followed us over here. Ken and Lisa have tried to sort of lose me on the way. They, they moved from three different continents, and uh, I still found them. I said he could stay with us for, um, well, until he got sorted. He's lived with us for a year, nine months, three weeks, two days, 14 hours. At the moment, I'm okay here, and I think I'll, uh, I'll stay for a bit. Oh yeah, my I totally God. forgot about his existence. Totally forgot about Cedric. I was also, like triggered by seeing him. I feel like too. it's a part of my own past that yes. I'm not ready to revisit. Like I can't go back there. <laughs> I, and then, so I was like, what happened with them? Cause I, I just knew we hate Cedric. Right. And it was that he was threatening to like sell tabloid stories, which is just crazy to know when Vanderpump left, what everything was based on, which was tabloid stories. Right. It is, I mean, the full circle also, I'll just say R.I.P. Jiggy and Pikachu. Yeah. Tough oh, to see I them. I know, I know. Tough to see them. I know, the first person we see is Lisa, but the second person we see, person, is Jiggy. <laughs> person. He's a person to me, okay? <laughs> it's a character, definitely a character. Also, Camille, Camille calls Jiggy it throughout the uh, pilot <laughs> because I don't think she knows, and I respect that. because I Yeah, I love that she didn't misgender, you know? She right. knew better. Could have been <laughs> a day. Could have gone with day, but it was 2010. <laughs> Nobody knew back then. <laughs> Did anyone oh, yeah. feel like Lisa sounded different? There was something in her. I don't know. Oh, if she's, interesting. She's like manipulated her voice a little bit more. There was a little bit less of like the darlingness hmm. of it. Ooh. I don't know. Maybe I'm just imagining it. I didn't notice that. It felt different watching her. All I, I noticed was the accents Kyle was trying to do. <laughs> he did four steps and a wee This wee is wee. a liar because I've never seen a dog walk. He four steps and a wee wee when no one looks. That is not an English um, accent, darling. Well, whatever. We, what need is to, it? we need to work on it. They keep going on with this faux English accent. I'm like, oh, God. No, this is exactly this this is how that. you talk. Do I talk like that? She can, when she says Jiggy, it sounds exactly like that. That's the only word she gets right. That's the only word she gets right. And me thinking, oh, Kyle always thought she was the funniest person in the room. (laughs) Right? That's a really good And I love Kyle, but she always thought she's the funniest person in the room. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I didn't clock to do it while rewatching, but we should be watching Lisa Vanderpump's ass because the rumor comes up like a few seasons later that she got injections. Mm. Uh-huh. So is there a big difference? Yes. Yeah. Maybe she and had it in her contract not to be filmed from behind, from behind or below, you know, just because she was planning to get the injections. She uh, definitely had has had work done since. Like that was that, oh, oh yeah. It's been yeah. 10 years. It's been 10 years. Everybody has. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I'll say too, I think some of them looked look better now. Like I think that Vanderpump looks significantly younger in yeah, my I think, opinion and I think this, Kim too and I mean I, she is younger but I just think there's something to it but it's also is it because we now equate injections and Botox and all of that with people who are older so therefore when we see people with them they naturally look older to us I don't right. know there's a lot to unpack there but I think yeah. about this a lot I also always loved Adrian's tinsel hair I totally forgot oh my god yes so we do uh, this digital series called Life After Bravo, where I interview um, some housewives or other talent that are no longer on Bravo. And so I got to talk to Adrienne and specifically it was like, tell me about the hair tinsel. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I had no idea it was such a big deal. But then it was like women were going into salons around the you know, United States going and getting it. She was like, I just wanted my hair to look shiny. Did and any of did. you ever do hair tinsel? Like, no. let's be real. 
I can't no. say I did. <laughs> Me neither, for the record. <laughs> Not to say I wasn't interested, but can't say I did. Yeah. Right, right. But it is interesting in the rewatch of it that, you know, the I think something that is impossible to ignore is just how many of these relationships fell apart and not yeah. just between the women, Ugh. but between like, you know, the marriages and everything. It's the only ones that are still intact are Lisa Vanderpump and Ken Todd yeah. and Kyle and Mauricio. Yeah. And the other ones just dissolve quickly. Yeah. And that's the reason why so many of them leave the show, right? You know, like Taylor left the show because of, I mean, because a lot of reasons, but like, you know, Adrian left the show after she was going through divorce and everything. And, you know, Camille stuck around for a little longer before they kind of like wanted to write her off or something. And then she like, but she came back in all her glory for a wedding. She's still like in it. Don't ever forget that Hawaiian wedding. Never forget. I do definitely seems like people were, when you joined Real House of Beverly Hills, it was because you're at a transitional moment of your life. And that often was that your marriage was about to be ended. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I like about the whole relationship perspective is Adrian and Paul really did make me laugh the first yes. couple of seasons of Beverly Hills. But at the same time, it's like not a lesson we should be teaching people. Like this is not how you really should be talking to your spouse, mm-hmm. like in a way that there's a lack of respect and that, you know, they're, you're just constantly annoyed by each other. It's like this trope that we sort of just get used to, I think, as a the society. Trope. Yeah. But then it's like, so when you hear their divorces, like, oh, that's so sad. It's like, is it? Like, we saw that what this marriage looks like. And it didn't look fun, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, they made us laugh, but I wouldn't have wanted to be in that marriage. I thought the same thing. And I actually wrote in my notes that I love Adrian and Paul. And I was like, and I was like, am I on the wrong side of history? But you're right. I mean, it is something that like we've become so used to seeing on like the you know the 30 minute sitcoms on like everybody loves Raymond it's like god you two just king of queens (laughs) but then but we are at the same and so it's like charming and the same thing I mean the same thing goes with Ken and Lisa but you can tell with Ken and Lisa that there is a mutual respect there right and that is I think what the difference is and 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 you know I can't I don't want to like suggest I know why you know people's marriage fell apart but you can see why theirs has kind of stuck for so long I mean they've been together for such a long time I married Ken Todd when I was 21 my husband calls me a sex object he says every time he wants sex I object (laughs) you can live out your master chef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. 
Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And it's because that they do at the end of the day, I think they they have so much respect for each other. And um, but yeah, I, I definitely noticed that in this first episode where I was like, ooh, like the writing is on the wall already of yeah. like where Adrian and Paul are. Um, well, it's also, you know, I- having a spouse that's a Republican and being a Democrat, I can't imagine how you could have actually kept that up even long-term, you know? Right. Right. Imagine that today. Exactly. (laughs) Like, was that enough with like Obama and, and, you know, everything else, but you know, I can't imagine that it was doomed just from that, (laughs) that context. (laughs) I really did a deep dive into the Maloof family during this because I was wondering if they still owned the Sacramento Kings because, and to your point, Kate, about like the wealthiest housewives and, you know, I was like, there is so much money in this family. Uh, and there is, they don't own the Sacramento Kings anymore, as I've learned, but the, like, I mean, they have the Maloof family is a Wikipedia page, not just Adrian, like they all have their own Wikipedia pages, but when you, your family is a Wikipedia page on its own, you know, you, you know, you're significant. I don't think like the Richards have that. I'll just say that. I'm going to make one just because <laughs> they, they deserve it. I'm sorry, but they do. <laughs> I know. I need to see, like, I want, like, the transcript of Kim going through that Paris I'm an icon moment. I went out to dinner with her, and as we came out, they're like, Kim, Kim, Paris, Paris. And Paris looked over at me like, who are you? And I'm like, they're like, Paris, don't forget your aunt was here at first. And I was like, oh yeah, honey, step aside. Don't forget. I was here first. And she was like, Aunt Kim. And they're like, Paris, your aunt's an icon. You know, your aunt. She's like, wait, I'm an icon too. They're like, yeah, but your aunt was an icon first. <laughs> like, oh, oh God, that's my such a God. great moment. That moment I, did not happen. You know, that didn't happen. Didn't, I, and I mean, <laughs> not for the four minutes Kim reenacted it, at least. <laughs> I have such a special place in my heart for Kim Richards and she is probably in my top like five to six housewives of all time um it's weird because she reminds me a lot of my mom so do with that what you must because there's some deep like Freudian things in there I'm (laughs) sure um but they look very similar they have similar mannerisms the way that like my mom loves being a mom and and like me as a child, I'm an only child. I don't have like three siblings like Kim Richards kids would, but there's something about her that really does remind me of my mom. And so mm-hmm. for that reason, I think she's always had a special place, but just as a housewife and seeing her story beginning here and knowing where it goes, there is something so real about it, you know, that is yeah. so authentic. And I think the Hollywood former child star story has we've seen it so many times over the years with the Lindsay Lohans of the world the Drew Barrymore's and you know seeing Kim Richards story kind of play out over the course of this show and and just what we see in this pilot episode there's something really interesting there and and really tragic you know is she a child star I didn't hear her mention that in the pilot (laughs) (laughs) she was in a few movies I think also Kyle Richards still talking about Halloween 11 years later (laughs) she's gonna be in the new one too I think she's gonna be like probably in like the first you know person killed type of scene right in the new one but like I'm gonna give it to her because that's the classic movie I just was dying where I was like she's still talking about this show in 2021 or whenever whenever the last 2020 
was like, yeah, she's one still- time she had bangs, the other time she didn't. That's yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Eric, I think that that's a really good point. And especially because I do think the interesting thing about Kim's story and the tragedy of Kim's story is that we're used to seeing it in extremes, right? Yeah. With the child star, like either the child star grows up and continues to be a star and is like doing amazingly, or it's like, so bad where it's like a Corey Feldman thing where it's just Mm. like you know a whole disaster whereas Kim represents this child star that you know if she wasn't on tv we never would have heard of any of this but it's probably the most authentic version of what it is like to be a child star not really able to ever take care of yourself you know not really able to to kind of disassociate from that life ever and getting to a point where you're so burnt out by the industry that you know you want to just sit at home and and you know um uh, take care of your kids, but you're almost dependent on your kids too, in order for you to find happiness. And the crazy thing too, is that she, you know, she is a child star. She also acted, you know, pretty far into adulthood too. You know, she was in Black Snake Moan. Black Snake Moan. And she's good. Amazing. I think she's a great actor. Um, I was thinking since you're working on the square now, if you wanted to, we could get coffee or something some morning. You need money again? No. You know what? Why we always gotta do this? You and me been at each other as far back as I can remember. You're your daughter. I'm the only family you got. You never need nobody, Ray. You always made that perfectly clear to me. I know I did. But I'm trying to be different. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get some peace. Yeah, well, I'm working here now. And so it's just, it's, it's kind of a interesting thing to see that this is this is the way that it probably likely plays out but I know there were so many people who thought that it was almost um manipulative to put her on the show in the first place I mean do you guys have thoughts on that well I just know that I was watching this feeling like oh I know too much to fully enjoy the the Kimness of it all because like even telling that Paris Hilton story is she just zany you know or is she drunk like and and sadly that's like a question that will just always be on people's minds I think even when she if she were to come back you know and and be totally sober you, you don't know where the just wacky Kim begins and where like an illness is you know right um I, I'm curious if if who knew that she had a problem because you know it does sound like she was very good at hiding it so I do think it's possible that she came onto the show and it wasn't totally a known thing to everyone behind the scenes mm-hmm. it was to kyle though yeah. for sure you it, know and yeah. that's i think that's another issue that people kind of have with this journey that kim takes on the show is you know how much of kyle's storyline is dependent on her sister's addiction you know mm-hmm. and i think i am still very fascinated by their family and everything that's happened to them when they were kids and and all the all of it you know um, and, and hopefully with this season coming up with the Kathy Hilton of it all, there's going to be some interesting family stuff there. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think watching it back now and seeing how much of Kyle's story is de- dependent on Kim in some ways, it does feel a little bit icky, but I, I don't know. I still just like, I love seeing Kim on my screen. I can't help it. Part of me too wondered like how much of it was Kyle bringing her the same way, like, Kelsey was like Camille you should do this show is how much of that was Kyle being like Kim we should do this show to almost keep her yeah in check and because I mean even in the pilot we see Kim almost being like 
forced to hang out with these women who she really has no interest in being friends with, it seems. And she says that herself, like, you know, I don't just jump in like my sister and become like best friends with people. I'm not comfortable with like big groups of people. I was really happy that Kyle included me to be with all the girls, but I'm not going to jump all in and be friends with everybody at first. Uh, it takes me time. Uh, and, and, and so part of me almost wondered, was this Kyle hoping to kind of engage Kim in maybe a different dynamic in hopes of like curbing any type of problems that she saw behind the scenes. Uh, I mean, that's completely therapizing, but I love to do that. And I, I just like, I, I could see that happening very much. So that's Another, a really interesting perspective, but also, you know, as simple as she wanted Kim to have a paycheck because, yeah. you know, we find out that like Mauricio and Kyle are really helping Kim financially. So, I mean, maybe just wanting to help her become a little more independent. Yeah. I think it seemed clear too that, you know, Kim was not super excited about being there. And even if you read some of like the early coverage surrounding them, um, you know, they would do press tours together and reporters would talk about how like Kim's just like muttering in the corner about everybody. And so she didn't really like these women and she didn't really want to be there. So I could see that Allison, that, that being true of just like kind of being forced into this thing to keep in check, even if you're sort of like, I don't want to deal with these people. I don't make friends easily. Why, why are you putting me on a show where the whole concept is out to make friends? Yeah. And I mean, and we'd certainly see based on like the whole premise of the show, which is how these relationships grow and also how some of them completely, you know, fall flat on their face, the women expecting Kim, I mean, and this goes for any show, if you are somebody who doesn't take to a group of women like Kyle did in that trip to Sacramento, you are an outcast. And that is by no means going to help Kim with any type of personal problems that she's struggling with. Uh, and, and that is absolutely what happens. I mean, the whispering with Kim starts pretty immediately. And if you skim through just like, I mean, the next three seasons, it is all, that's all Kim's storyline is. Uh, so it is kind of one of those things where it's like, it could have gone either way. And I don't think it necessarily went the way it it, like we wanted it to. Um, but with all of that said, you know, it seems like Kim is maybe in a better place. I, I mean, thank God for Kim, who brought a lot of drama to Beverly Hills last season, courtesy of a, a special dinner guest that was in her car waiting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but she's still bringing it no matter what. <laughs> and what about, you know, Kyle's, Kyle without Kim? Like, does that, do you guys prefer Kyle when Kim's on the show? Or do you like it when she has a little bit of independence from Kim? What's your perspective? I'm trying to think. I mean, one of my favorite um, reunions to revisit, and I do at least once a year, maybe more often, is the Beverly Hills season five reunion, because it is the darkest thing you will ever see. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, Kim and Kyle really going at it. It's uh, Kim had secretly relapsed. We don't find out until later she'd given an, an interview to uh, Dr. Phil about it. But it's like in this interview and it's about the like your dog bit my daughter's hand. It's just the most vicious biting, but it's so real that I can't look away. Mm. And so in that way, 
I do like the two of them together. I mean, even though it's not good for them on a personal level, and I don't think that they should, selfishly as a fan, I really, oh, I love that shit. I know. I know. It's so true because in some ways you do get so invested in these characters, right? And you sometimes forget they are real people. So you are so entertained or intrigued or fascinated by these things that happen to them. But when you take a step back and you're like, oh no, she has an addiction. She has a problem. This is vicious fighting. This is tearing families apart. You're a little bit like, okay, okay, maybe we don't need all of this. Mm -hmm. But that is the reality of reality TV. And, and that is the way a lot of people live their lives. A lot of people don't have perfect relationships with their families and, and things get messy and ugly. And so in, in some ways it's very brave of them to, to put that out there. Um, but it's also a little bit like sad, you know, for, to, to watch as a yeah. viewer. Right? Yeah. I think that like, for me, I totally agree with you. It, there is an element of like, wow, this is, this is so normal. Like these women are hopping a private jet. They are, you know, spending $40,000 on, you know, like a Birkin bag at the drop of a hat. And at the same time, they deal with things that families across America and all different socioeconomic backgrounds deal with. And in that it's, it's the probably the most real thing that Real Housewives can can give its audience. At the same time, I think back to your question, Kate, on like Kyle with or without Kim. So often when Kim is on the show and she's not doing well in her her journey of sobriety, everything comes back to Kyle. And then suddenly not only is it Kim's storyline, but it's Kyle's storyline. And so Kyle is constantly answering for Kim, even though she says like, I'm not, I don't answer for my sister. So for me then in that case, I kind of am like, I want her to just be Kyle because, but I do think Kyle always works best with like a partner she's had Vanderpump, then she had Dorit. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Teddy. Yeah. But like, I think that, uh, for, for the Kim of it all, she's so often the, the person who has to answer for Kim because nobody actually ever goes to Kim. I mean, even in this past season, she was the one that everyone kind of turned to, uh, about it all when, when Brandy kind of revealed it to, to her. So I think that, for me, I'm kind of like, let's give Kyle like a break from it because it just suddenly turns into all of the Kim show. And, and it's, it's sudden, it's like Lucy, Lucy, apple juice or Kim. It's like one, it, the, the whole season is dedicated to one of those things. Right. Right. Well, even last season, Rinna brings it up at, what was it at Denise's house or something? Well, not always, you know, when she kind of comes for Kyle about what happened in the past with Kim. Oh, yeah. So even if Kim's not there, she yeah. still somehow comes up and, and Kyle still has to answer for it or, or, yeah. or is still responsible for what has happened with her and Kim in the past. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, we got the bunny incident from it. Yes. So oh, thank goodness. Single tear. I'm not going to look a so gift horse in the mouth. So. <laughs> and you know, not to bring it back to Camille, I'm going to bring it back to Camille for a second, because I feel like there's a side of Camille that we have not seen on the show. And based on, you know, when I was researching a little bit of her background, you know, we know that she was on, you know, Club MTV and everything. And she had this vaudeville show that she was a part of. And the New York Times was interviewing her back in the, you know, 90s when, um, when she was in it. And she said, when I'm not dancing, I'm reading Jack Kerouac. And then she <laughs> also 
has a hobby on the side where she actually collects rare books from like William Faulkner, Roald Dahl, and more. And I feel like this is a side we have not explored yet. Oh, oh, it's very Machiavellian of her. <laughs> Pernicious <laughs> even. I don't know. <laughs> I think we've seen, we definitely see that come out though later on. We see on. the $4 words yes. come flying. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I didn't realize too that she and Kelsey Grammer, um, are behind uh, Girlfriends and Medium and The Game, their production company. Oh, really? That's right. I remember Medium, but I didn't know about Girlfriend. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Huh. So, you know, she has, she has like, Camille is has multifaceted. She's got many sides. I mean, I love, I love Camille. And I think that like, she is someone I love in the pilot when she is talking about Kelsey and she's like, Kelsey is a character. And then it cuts to Kelsey and he's just like deadpan, no personality whatsoever. <laughs> but yeah. He's a I th- character, all right. <laughs> I mean, he certainly is. And uh, but yeah, I think that like with Camille too, like where her she is villain or not. And and also just to your guys' point earlier about like the surrogacy, I mean, they also play into that with the nanny bit when they introduce her foreign nannies. Like they're trying to make her seem like she is kind of a distant mother, I think. I'm a mother of two. This is going to sound crazy. Don't judge me. No, I have four nannies and they rotate. Um, And then the way they pit her against Kyle, who could not be more of a... I am like a mom. I love being a mom. So there is like that dynamic that I think they're almost trying to like play into. Uh, But the way she, like again, villain or not, the way she brings drama is just incredible. I mean, she is, she brought us Alison Dubois. Yeah. She brought us Dana Wilkie. Yep. I mean, oh. let let us not forget these cost twenty five thousand dollars. Twenty five thousand. Did you Have know? Have you seen? Speaking of Dana Wilkie, do you guys follow her on Instagram? Because no. for a long time, she's been doing these like investigations, like especially with the Tom and Erica of it all. I think before all of this stuff with uh, you know a certain Real Housewife of Salt Lake City, she was doing some investigations on Instagram. Like she is. She is a character. You want is to she character? Our, is she our new Megan King Edmonds? Yeah. <laughs> she might be. She might. She's trying at least. <laughs> she's oh my god! Trying. I gotta check that out. Yeah, I check. I think getting... it's like Wilkie underscore Dana, so it might be a little tricky to search, but it's oh, it's worth it. It's worth it. I love that, and I hope she ends up with like an like an oxygen like <laughs> investigation series. Well, that's our sister network, so we'll I know. put in a word. Yeah, we'll put in a word. <laughs> So based on, you know, we have all these housewives, the only one that remains is Kyle, plus like Camille and Kim kind of come in, whatever. Yeah. Who do you guys miss the most? Like, who do you wish was still on Real Housewives season upcoming 11? You know what? I I will say Adrian. Mm-hmm. I, I think watching this episode back in particular made me miss her. Um, I think she is a top tier housewife in terms of what she offers, like the money, the personality, the whole thing, the hair tinsel, you know, bring it all back. I I think I would like to see Adrian come back. Yeah. I mean, not to steal answers, but I really do agree because we also, she left before her time was up in a way, you know, cause she didn't want to deal with the rumor of season three. So just didn't show up to the reunion and therefore was, you know, had to be fired so it's like we didn't we didn't get the ending that I feel like Mm. we deserved and I I would be interested to see her sort of 
keeping some of these women in line because there's just something so dominant about her personality yeah like her and Rinna that would be so interesting to see the two of them go head to head yeah I totally agree with you dominant is a perfect word for it she I mean she is kind of like she rises above it it, even to like I mean a pioneer in not showing up for a reunion yeah. you know <laughs> uh but I totally agree and I I love when she always pops in it's always like and it is very rare but like when she does I'm always so happy and this made me just realize like she is somebody who just like goes all out and and is just kind of like the voice of reason on the show and and for that I appreciate her I would also just want to see her having to deal with Paul Nassif's brand new baby. Like that's such an interesting dynamic to me. I mean, they seem to be on friendly terms now, the last I talked to her. So it would just be interesting to see that part of her life. Yeah. Yeah. And what are you guys looking forward to in season 11? Like, what are you most excited about? I know we have the trailer, hopefully maybe we'll be out by the time this is, this is out, but what do you guys think? All the Erica stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep. I can tell you she comes to play this season. And Ooh, have you seen the trailer already? Maybe. Oh my God. And I may <laughs> have seen some episodes. And I just know that fans are very worried that we're not going to get any, any info about this Erica stuff. And let me tell you, we will. Wow. Wow. It is That's very riveting. Exciting. Yeah. I mean, I will agree with that too. I am excited to see the Erica stuff, but I love Sutton so mm. much that I am just so excited that she is returning. And I, you know, there from what I saw in the super tease, there is some tension between her and one of the other wives that I was kind of surprised by. And Megan was like, oh, well, you just wait. Cause you know, Megan has seen a few episodes. So she was like, you just wait. So I feel like I might end up in a, in a rocky place with Sutton at some mm. point this season, but I just loved her. She reminded me of my high school drama teacher. Like there was just something about her. (laughs) Yeah, you're so right. There is something about her that I just took to so quickly. And I'm just so glad that she's coming back. Sutton, the response of Sutton becoming a full-time diamond holding cast member was- Maybe. Is, yeah, I don't even know. I honestly don't even know if that's true. Well, the let's just say like the the- the fans want it. And I mean, Sutton for being a friend of, and I thought she, she did a pretty good job of being a friend of last season in terms of like the amount of time she had. I mean, you you look at like somebody like Jen on Dallas who I've seen twice, you know, like, I don't even, Oh my God, I know. I forget she's even there. Right. But Sutton felt very instrumental to the, I mean, she got us like personalized rain boots, you know, like this is not somebody to like to sleep on. Right. And so for her, I'm, I'm so excited about it because I think that she is, uh, I think she's just like, like, a for the, for, uh, for the lack of a terrible metaphor, a diamond in a rough, in the rough. Like, I think she just needs to like, she needed to come out of that dirt and she's going to just shine. Um, obviously the Erica stuff is going to be so good. And I love hearing those teases, but uh, I can't wait. And I can't wait to meet uh, the new housewives too. So, well, And what do you guys think about Kathy joining as a friend of? Because I know Megan has strong feelings about that. She's super excited. But what do you guys think? 
Oh, I'm pumped. I mean, I think that it's like not. I mean, we 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 talked about at length about sort of the family drama within in that family, but mm. I feel like some new energy coming in in that family would be interesting. Yeah. Um, and just like everything we know about her, everything we've heard about her, and being able to see it live, like she's just kind of been one member of the family that we really haven't seen much of, you know, which is which is crazy considering that that family is basically in front of the cameras all the time. Right. So I'm yeah. excited. I mean, also, let's just talk about the Nikki Hilton erasure in the pilot when Kim says, uh, my sister is Kathy Hilton and her daughter is Paris Hilton. And I was like, oh, and Nikki. And I mean, well, and what about Baron? Isn't there a Baron in there, there somewhere? Or I don't what's even know. Conrad? They have a fourth brother. I Conrad. always forget there are four siblings. Yeah, there's more than just Paris. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I thought that was great. But you're right. We really have like barely have gotten Kathy in the past just from like she's like maybe at an event. But I feel like we've seen more of Kyle's like um, nephew who does or godson who designs faux fur jackets. <gasps> Matt Serafa is one of my favorite people on the planet. Megan knows this. I talk about him all the time. I ordered a mask from him Did and you? he sent he sent like a personalized note, which is not personalized at all, but I like cherish it. It's, I don't know why I'm so obsessed, but I'm so obsessed with him. Sweetie, he's 19. Let's just, let's relax. Okay. I mean, not like that. I just like love him. He is, a, he's, he is, as Camille would say, a character. Yes, so exactly. I, um, I feel like we've seen more of him than we have of like, of Kathy in the past. And, and so I'm ready for it, especially because supposedly Paris and Nikki and the other sons alleged with rich sounding names (laughs) um didn't even know she was doing the show so I am like I love I love a like surprise I'm I'm now on the show right Uh, but yeah I think it's gonna I think we're in for a real good season did you guys watch the Paris doc for it I haven't watched the Paris doc yet I know I've heard so many good things we need to do that I'm curious to know if that will come up at all in Kathy's storyline this season or Kyle like if there's conversations around that because they kind of paint you know her parents in a certain light given what Paris goes through Mm -hmm. as a teenager so I would check it out and just in case you know they they covered on the show I don't know well we are every week we ask uh if a pilot was better than the OC and that brings us to this this moment in time where I will ask you guys was the Beverly Hills pilot better than the OC yes (laughs) I totally agree okay I didn't want to be the one to react that way yes (laughs) I mean only because I say this because and, and you sort of nodded to this earlier but it was like behind the gates of Orange County is one thing. Like these are totally normal women who work at insurance companies and wear like brown pants. You know what I mean? Like just very behind the gates of like actual famous people and uber rich people is just a whole other ball game. And so, yeah, this one wins hands down. I mean, OC, they get it together for sure. And, you know, started it all, but Bev Hills can't compete. Well, yeah. also, I think that being able to even see the grammar compound, like that, acres? yeah, like and that was literally behind the gates, and that is not often. What happened to the horses? Because hmm. she says she's like we had, <laughs> we used to have horses, no longer. I feel like I live in my own private retreat, seventeen acres total. It's basically a small park <laughs> with a you know pond. We have a pool, a tennis court. Um, we had horses, no longer. Yay! 
I don't want to know. I'm I'm like, ooh. (laughs) I'm scared. I loved that though. And the way she was like, we have a pool. And I was like, I mean, it's like the least impressive thing of your, your, your estate. (laughs) Right, right. A lot of people have pools, you know, maybe not a nice pool, but. We typically see those houses from like a helicopter view. Right, exactly. So you just bought this compound and you're like, okay, that looks kind of cool, I guess. But being able to see just like the pond and the river and yeah. the street, just, even just for that scene alone. I mean, I know it's it feels so cribs in some ways, but you know, it felt like it was like, ooh, we're going to see some stuff. I loved it. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to share where our listeners can find you? Obviously, they can listen to the Daily Dish podcast, but um, any handles or anything you guys would like to plug? Yeah, they can find uh, me anywhere at Meg Segura. And you can find me at Eric J. Mack, E-R-I-K. And you can follow us actually at the at Bravo Daily Dish on Instagram. Awesome. Well, everyone, please do that. And I think that's about it for us. So um, thank you guys again for joining us. And I'm going to go press play and just continue watching season one. (laughs) Right? Yeah, let's just keep the binge going. Yeah, I think I have to. I think I have to. And that brings us to a close for today's podcast. It was so fun talking Housewives. It always is. If you want to hear us talk about more Housewives, please check out Kate and I on Clubhouse. We host a weekly, sorry, we host a- At this point, it's like daily. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to say. <laughs> We're on there. We're on We're Clubhouse all the time, you guys. And we are talking Housewives all the time. Uh, You can always check us out on Tuesdays. We have a clubhouse room called Everything Pop Culture. uh, And we're there Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. It's like a little happy hour. But we are also on throughout the entire week with special guests, people who you know and love and follow in the reality TV scape. So definitely check us out there. You can also check out our new daily podcast called pop chaser comes out every tuesday wednesday thursday and friday uh and there we are dissecting the top entertainment headlines every single day as well as going down a fun little rabbit hole uh that sometimes has to do with entertainment sometimes has to do with pop culture and one time had to do with yahoo answers um we're multifaceted yeah we're we're all over the place you guys never another way to put it we're, we're (laughs) Um, but of course you're also probably wondering what are we what are we going to be talking about next week and that would be the pilot of one tree hill now one tree hill is so close to my heart i will get into the merch i own uh next week wow but there is merch and i'll honestly i'll even see if i can find it uh but we're i'm so excited about that kate i I, you've never Never seen seen it never seen it my husband's been telling me to watch it for probably about 11 years that we've been together so um he's very happy at the very least I can't I cannot wait it's so good and we're gonna have so much fun talking about it and also I just have to shamelessly plug we are asking everybody to please like and review our podcasts you can do not only tv watch repeat which obviously you're listening to right now so if you enjoyed this episode please go ahead and review us and give us five stars but also our pop chaser one you're gonna fall in love with that one you guys so make sure to like and review it it really helps us and of course subscribe 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 while you're subscribing subscribe to the dip 
we have a promo code for you. It is TV Watch Subscribe. It's 50% off. I say it every week. We do not do this very often. So 50% off for the dip annual subscription. And we would all love to talk to you on the dip. We've got comments and we've got a community. It's a really cool place to hang out online where we can talk about pop culture. So that is all I have to say about that. And until next week, we are going to leave you with some clips that Kate found of our beloved housewives, specifically Kyle Richards in The Simple Life, Lisa Vanderpump in Baywatch, and Camille Grammer in Private Parts. And these are just some some clips before they were stars, or I guess stars when they were stars before they were housewives. So let's listen in on those clips, and we will talk to you guys all next week. I love how you're making me do this. Is that necklace made out of gold or where did you get those shoes? Um, did you kill a leopard to get that jacket? Why do you look like Paris? Because we're related. Are you related? No. <laughs> do I look like a grandma? Don't answer that. I think it looks good for now. In good hands as usual, right, Cross? Life is sweet, Margo. Hi, I'm Camille, and uh, I'm in Westchester, New York, and... This is Howard's first job interview. uh, And this is Howard's first job interview. Well, he's going to his first job interview in New York. All right, one more thing. Yes. Can you take your top off? No. No, I'm serious. I'm serious, that's what they want you to do. No, they do. No way. And remember, watching Bravo isn't a guilty pleasure. It's self-care. Guys, let's keep the conversation going. We want to talk to you all week long. You can find us on Instagram at Bravo Daily Dish. And on Twitter at Bravo TV. Just don't forget to use the hashtag Bravo Daily Dish. Or reach out to us personally. I'm everywhere at Meg Segura. And I'm everywhere at Eric J. Mack. That's E-R-I-K. And if you're on Facebook, join the Daily Dish Facebook group. You can post about what you're watching, your favorite shows, who's your favorite housewife, ask a question, start some drama. There's a lot of good stuff in there, so check it out. You can also learn more about the podcast at bravotv.com. Bye, guys. Bye. Looking fun, and I got my girls with me. With the boys at the table getting tipsy, miss me, kiss me one more time. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice. Only on Freebie. 
Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.